those who are successful about identifying the right brands to purchase and have got a really good internal effort where they can actually reduce the cost of production through strategic sourcing, as well as realize some cost savings on the procurement and supply chain side. Those aggregators are going to have great returns, good cash flows, and they're going to be able to continue to reinvest and compound that money over time. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers or Amazon business owners, perhaps I should say. Today, we are talking very much to the business owner's hat on. We are talking to the chaps over at Global Wide Advisors, Rob Salmon and Joe Hogg, their research specialists, and they've compiled a, a report recently about aggregators. There's obviously a lot of buzz around aggregators. There's a lot of myths and some kind of truths knocking around, and we're here, I guess, to try and bring a bit of the investment rigor that Global Wide Advisors is getting well known for. The primitive version is you guys are business brokers, but that's not quite right. So tell me what the more sophisticated version is of what you guys do. So Global Wide Advisors is a lower middle market investment bank focused on consumer digital assets. The more straightforward version of that is we are an advanced intermediary that helps people in the online space sell their companies or do other transactions. There is a little bit of a distinction between a business broker and an investment bank. Really, it's the process. The process that an investment bank is going to follow is going to be a bit more advanced. It's going to, in our experience, achieve higher value in a transaction, whether it's a sale or a capital raise or some other form of deal. When we bring a company to market, we're going to build something called a deal screen. And that deal screen is going to include potential buyers that are in the space, namely aggregators. Now they're the biggest niche buyout phenomenon. Firms that are outside of that, we refer to them as strategic sponsors, corporate strategic sponsors, funded sponsors, which include more traditional private equity or just larger companies that are looking to acquire Amazon based businesses and bolt them on or put them in with an existing business line. It takes a great deal of time to put a deal screen and a thorough and proper amount of research together to ensure that you're reaching the appropriate buyers for a company and you're getting maximum value. That makes sense. And I guess in the end, it's worth whatever somebody's paying for it. So to that point, if you put the same property in the broader sense in front of the right person, it's going to be a lot more to that person than to a random person. So I guess that people forget that they think a business has a value, but I guess it has the value that 
it is valued at by a specific buyer. That tells me that accessing the right buyers is going to be really important. I think you summed it up really well, Michael. Joe and the rest of the deal team is there to help any third-party seller maximize the value of the brand that they have. As the person who's spearheading the research effort, I'm here to help you think about what kind of new phenomenons meet. And this is one of the biggest questions, Joe and the people who are interacting with sellers get, what are these aggregators? That was the genesis of this talk and us putting pen to paper and doing a bunch of research. So I know you got a, a really good research paper, which I've actually read. It's very readable, which is not necessarily a given for investment research. So uh, if you want that, folks, by the way, I'm just going to mention it now, globalwiredadvisors.com forward slash research. I'll give that URL again, but later on, but it's really worth risking, especially the executive summary in the end. So let's talk about the aggregator model. It's become a phenomenon. It's become famous, but somebody else wrote to me today, who's just a few months ago, set up an aggregator and yet another person's written to me proudly saying they've raised $170 million, which sounds like real money in my world. What's going on? How come this is suddenly blown up? What do you think is behind this whole phenomenon in the first place? I think that it is a phenomenon, no doubt, given the speed at which it has evolved and the amount of money that's been raised in, in such a short period of time. There's a significant spread between the amount of product volume that's going through Amazon and the other three on Shopify, eBay, and Walmart. And there's a reason for that. Amazon has built a machine that allows the scalability of brands in a very short period of time. It's in and of itself unprecedented in the way that you can start a brand, start a company, uh, leverage the tools on Amazon to build it into something that is quite large in just a few years. It's really that scalability that has paved the way for the aggregator opportunity. With Amazon homogenizing a lot of variables that are necessary to be successful selling online. So from an investor standpoint, an aggregator standpoint, you can acquire very diverse brands, very different companies, and you can put them together in a portfolio and you can have very similar levers, if you will, to pull for all, uh, all together. So internally aggregators can build economies of scale that allow them to optimize different parameters for all of the different brands of different companies, different approaches. You know, again, that's that homogeny that is the common denominator with respect to what Amazon has built that has really paved the way, in our opinion, for the aggregator phenomenon. What Wall Street and these pools of capital are recognizing is the great brands that all of you have built where the, these businesses are 35% contribution margin, 20% SCE or, or EBITDA margin on average in a business that is very low capital intensive and produces good returns. So this is capital chasing returns, which is what we've seen historically on Wall Street. There has to be some kind of flavor of the month element there, isn't it? It strikes me there's some kind of monkey see, monkey do. How come that capital wasn't chasing this particular phenomenon two years ago, three years ago? It suddenly seems to have blown up in a particular way. Why do you think it's blown up? And do you think it's going to blow away? Is this just a a bubble or is this got more substance behind it? We don't believe it's a bubble. It it has grown in a very short period of time. Just two and a half years ago, Thras was getting started. And at the time, 
the concept that Thras was rolling out was quite innovative. It was the foundation of the aggregator model. It was not at first viewed as something that was going to be as scalable as it is today. I think it was viewed as unique for sure. But the accelerant that was poured on this idea and the others that in the early days just popped up around it was, of course, the pandemic. When the pandemic happened and consumer spending globally shifted dramatically from service spending to just consumer goods spending, we saw an amazing explosion in sales predominantly on Amazon and other online venues as well. And it really highlighted strongly the opportunity that the aggregator model could exploit. When revenue is, is generally trending at about the 15% a year that it was, and you're not seeing outsized EBITDA or SDE, the opportunity is a little bit harder to track. But when something event comes along like the pandemic and you see an explosion in sales, then all of a sudden it's quite clear that there is a huge opportunity here that I think was really the accelerant that opened people's eyes to the profitability of the aggregator model and the opportunity that the aggregator model had going forward. Looking to increase your online sales? Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA. Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July, and New York City in October. The conference offers learning, tips, and tools needed to increase your sales, networking, food and refreshments, prize drawing, and lots of fun for all seller levels. Head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code AMAZINGFBA to save $50 off your ticket cost. I will add too that in the early days, there really was not a lot of thought put into shaping the consumer products good space. The thoughts around aggregators were, let's acquire a number of diverse brands, let's generate internal economies of scale, and then let's eventually sell those brands as packaged deals upstream. So in other words, let's accumulate as many pet-related brands as we can and say, take those together as a package. Well, as the aggregator model got rolling, I think that a little bit of the long-term thinking shifted toward, wow, this is uh, this is something that can re- reshape the CPG space where we can accumulate brands and eventually execute a public securities transaction go public via IPO. And now our portfolio, where we've made acquisitions anywhere from a three multiple up to, you know, recently a six or seven multiple. Now all of that will be valued at a 15 or 20 multiple. So you would see a significant increase in valuation, a significant windfall for investors and shareholders in executing a public securities trade. Literally in the last year and a half, a lot of that thinking has crept into the aggregator mindset, it's no longer about accumulating brands, looking to package them, generate cash flow, exit those brands as packages upstream, say to corporate strategics. It's now, hey, let's go public. Let's get over that wall, so to speak, and see a significant increase in value. I guess we're, we're talking about the original concept and then how it's developed. To put it in simple terms, Originally, they were going to put a lot of brands together and because of economies of scale, you could roll them up into something that bigger players are more interested in buying. 
And now they've developed the idea of bypassing that and just going public and becoming the big players themselves. That latter thing hasn't yet happened, but that's something you're seeing coming from your report, isn't it? That once somebody goes public or IPOs to initial public offerings, so in other words, they take it onto the stock market and are listed public companies that anyone can buy, your thesis is that it's going to be a lot more valuable. Is that right? Oh, most definitely. And that's something that we see happening in 2022. Aggregators eventually going to execute a public securities transaction is going to go public. And when that event happens, it's really going to ignite interest in the space. There's a ton of interest in the space now, but the investment landscape is quite large. And this phenomenon, as fast as it's grown, still hasn't really registered with a lot of people outside of the space. When you see that first public trade and it's made evident through public disclosure, the amount of money that's been made, the model, the approach, I think it's going to generate a lot of additional interest. Now, most aggregators are marking to model is what we say, where they're basically saying, hey, we have all of these acquired brands. We have this much cash flow. If we were to apply, theoretically, a traditional CPG multiple to this portfolio, we'd be worth X. And that's probably true, but we haven't seen an actual trade. We can't look at a ticker, so to speak, where we can see where that particular valuation should be tracking. When a public securities trade is executed, we will know where to mark to market effectively a lot of aggregator portfolios. And I think it's going to be obviously much higher than where they're marking to model today. So in other words, once somebody actually does it, it'll be proven and the value will be a lot higher because it won't be theory anymore. Somebody will be willing to invest hard cash. E-commerce has been an opportunity for a long time, but the pandemic's poured fuel on it. And I guess one of the reasons why a ton of aggregators came into the space is because one person got it going, Thrasio, and then everyone's followed suit. So I guess that you're talking about the next stage. Just to expand on that point. 13 billion is a lot of capital that's been raised by the aggregators to date in 2021. And that compares to about a billion being raised in all of 2020. So clearly a lot of capital is moving into the space. However, if I take a, a bigger picture view of saying, how big is CPG? The amount of capital raised is actually quite small. And I'm noticing from my wife, my own buying patterns. I'm tending to buy from brands that are built on, on digital platforms that really resonate with the consumer. There's obviously risk and return here. We aren't primarily talking to Wall Street guys so much as the owners of businesses who want to sell to aggregators. But nevertheless, we need to think about the bigger picture and there's risk and reward. Obviously, what goes up can come down at some point. And this feels a bit like a bubble to me. I don't know if it is. So tell me about the risks. As I think about any investment that I would make, there is risk and return. And within the aggregator broader space, they're using quite a bit of debt. There are going to be companies that are very successful at scaling acquired companies. There are going to be other companies who are less, less successful. A roll-up strategy is very common on Wall Street, and that's where you're basically buying a lot of different brands. In effect, that is what an aggregator is. Those who are successful about identifying the right brands to purchase and have got a really good internal effort where they can actually reduce the cost of production through strategic sourcing, as well as realize some cost savings on the procurement and supply chain side. 
those aggregators are going to have great returns, good cash flows, and they're going to be able to continue to reinvest and compound that money over time. Others who are unsuccessful will likely be acquired. We'll see pieces of the business to off. That's a great summary. We do see a little bit of consolidation probably over the next year where there's been a bit of a land rush phase with respect to aggregators where they've raised a lot of money during the run-up in sales associated with the pandemic. They acquired a lot of brands and we're seeing some normalization. We're seeing some year-over-year slowness. Aggregators have probably applied a fair amount of leverage to a lot of these acquisitions that have been made in this land rush phase. So I think there could be a little bit of a shakeout. You could see, as Rob mentioned, some consolidation among aggregators. You could see potentially some swapping of portfolio positions, but it doesn't change our long-term view that there is a lot more growth ahead in the aggregator model. I think that they're really just getting rolling despite probably what we see in this little bit of consolidation phase. Again, once the public securities transaction is successfully executed, that's where you really open a lot of eyes to the opportunity. And that's probably where you see the next leg up. Aggregators on average, they're buying about five times EBITDA or SD. When I think about where a private equity company is purchasing, it's typically in that eight to 10 times range. And then what we allude to as the prize, which is a CPG multiple, that's around 15 times. So if you're able to scale the brands that have been acquired, there should be multiple arbitrage, i.e. you get valued more highly, even if you stay private as a larger company. And if you get to the prize, the returns are fantastic as we think about the potential from an investment standpoint for aggregators, but not all look because some are going to be unsuccessful. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I know that it could be that if you're a hardworking Amazon or e-commerce business owner operator, you may feel this stuff is a bit abstract and isn't relevant to your life. I've got to tell you, I think that's a wrong way of thinking, if I may say so. Because here's the thing, whether or not you ever plan to sell your business, and many people don't, I understand, you are in an environment where the aggregators are now a very, very big set of players in the market. That is to say, if you sell on Amazon and you have your own private label or custom product goods, or even anything in the fast-moving consumer goods space, CPG space, you are basically going to be competing with aggregators. That means you're competing with people who are well-funded, they know how to do listings, and they are very, very good at branding, as some of our other guests, like Lo Martin from Elevate Brands, which is one of the big aggregators out there, can attest. Are there, of course, aggregators that don't get Amazon and do a bad job of listings and indeed the whole operations? Of course. So it's important that you know they're out there if only for two reasons. Number one, don't sell to those people (laughs) because they will trash your brand. Or number two, if they are competing with you, you can compete with them. But either which way, you need to understand the players in the space. The next show we're going to do is the interview with Rob Salmon and Joe Hogg of Global Wide Advisors is talking about the six risks that the aggregator models face. And a lot of those are risks that all of us who sell in e-commerce face as well. So again, education about the overall space that we're in, i.e. e-commerce, if you will, is, I believe, essential to operate successfully within that business. I would really urge you to understand the bigger picture you're operating on. 
Otherwise, you get caught up in operations and the day-to-day stuff, and then you get your head up above the parapet and realize that what you've been doing is irrelevant because the game has changed. Don't let that happen to you. Stay in touch with what's happening in the space, and you can take advantage of trends rather than being the victim of them. So there you go. Lecture over. It's up to you whether you find this sort of content useful. Hopefully, you find this stuff as interesting as I do, and it's helpful, more importantly, to you and your business. If you find it helpful, just a couple of things I'd request. We don't charge for podcast content, and we probably never will. Just the first thing is I'd love it if you could leave a a star rating for us, one, two, three, four, five stars on Apple Podcasts. And the other one is don't forget to subscribe to the show and download it and listen. And we will keep working really, really hard over at Amazing FBA Towers to give you the best content we can. Thanks so much for listening. Hey there, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, another interview with some experts today. And uh, the whole phenomenon of Amazon aggregators is fascinating to me. And they've gone from a theoretical concept to a big uh, player in the space within under three years. So suddenly it's a thing that we need to be aware of as Amazon sellers. First of all, I think if you own a brand of any description that sells on Amazon, you will be uh, possibly considering selling. And I would suggest that when multiples or values of businesses are so massive right now compared to what they were two or three years ago and maybe they're not always going to be that big that seems to be the global consensus and this is part of today's conversations part of you forming your own viewpoint on that it could well be time to consider selling your business bearing in mind that you may make 50 or even 60 percent of all the money you ever make from your business and when you sell so i'm not saying you should I'm saying it's worth considering. If you're going to do that, I think you need to know the big players out there. Aggregators are part of the buying landscape and an increasingly big part. And it pays to understand the person on the other side of the table if you're going to be negotiating with them. So an interesting conversation. This is from a couple of guys, uh, Joe Hogg and um, Rob Salmon, who are uh, investment grade analysts. So they do this stuff for a living. They've been working sort of Wall Street level so this is a bit more in-depth than your average um, sort of overview of this sort of thing. And if you're interested in finding out more, go to Global Wired Advisors with O-R-S. I was trying to spell advisor with E, but it's with an O, globalwiredadvisors.com uh, forward slash research. That's www.globalwiredadvisors.com forward slash research. And I've downloaded their report and read it. It's it's not huge, uh, but it's very detailed. And I think it's worth educating yourself. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. As ever, if you find this useful stuff, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes, if you can, or Apple Podcasts, I should say, one, two, three, four, or five stars. It really, really helps people know whether it's worth checking out. And of course, if you're finding this useful, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. And you may have seen us on youtube so don't forget to subscribe there if that's your preferred channel thank you so much for listening it's never taken for granted by me that you will give us your attention it's greatly appreciated and will continue to make it worth your while to listen to us thanks so much for listening thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. 
I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.